we're in this series walking through the letter of 2 Corinthians, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about our confidence this morning. Uh, I have always told people that their perspective of their eternal destiny will always determine their current reality. Their perspective on their future destiny will affect their current reality. Uh, I remember watching an interview a number of years ago by Ronaldo Nehemiah. He was a great track runner back in the 1980s. He was one of the premier high hurdlers in the world. And he was being interviewed uh, because of the unusual style that he used. Most hurdlers back then, as they went over the hurdle, would dip their heads. And in order to get a better stretch, they'd do that. But Ronaldo did something did it different. He'd always have his head fixed up as he was running. And when they asked him why he didn't dip his head like all the other hurdlers, he simply said, from the opening step until the very last lunge, I keep my eyes glued on the finish line. From the very first step to the last lunge, I've got to see the finish line. Well, today's passage is going to challenge us to look at the finish line which actually is no finish line at all. It's the starting line of a whole brand new existence. And I'd like to get a running start at our passage this morning by going back to chapter 4, verse 16 and following, uh, because our passage is actually the continuation of a thought there. And this is 2 Corinthians four sixteen. Paul writes, Therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." There in verse 18, we are told in the scriptures that we need to look at life through the lens of eternity. And we need to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, what is eternal. And when we look at life through the lens of eternity, three things I want to suggest to you this morning. We first see that we will exchange our temporal existence for an eternal existence. When we look through the lens of eternity, we gain perspective. So let's look at our passage this morning, uh, and we'll see this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 starts out with three compelling little words. you got to get this. It simply says, for we know. For we know. We tend to just read through that real quickly. What is Paul saying? Well, in a day where so many theories are promoted about what happens to us after we die, in a day and an age when so many books are being written about the life to come, or people saying that there is no life to come and they're selling like there's no tomorrow, pun intended, here Paul is saying, this is what's going to happen. Here we know. And what is the basis of his confidence? How can he say, for we know? If you look again in 2 Corinthians 4.14, we read this last week. 
He writes, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Paul had confidence about what happened in life after death. He saw what happened with his very eyes. The very resurrected Jesus appeared to him, and for Paul, it changed everything. And that's why he can say in verse 1, we know. We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Yesterday, I was cutting wood for my father-in-law, and we worked for hours and hours and hours splitting and stacking wood. This morning, I am feeling it. And when I got up this morning, I didn't groan, but I did a oofta as I got out of bed. You could just feel the earthly tent. He goes on, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Paul uses an analogy that most of us can relate to. In this life, we're living in what Paul calls a tent. The flesh, blood, muscles, all the physical stuff that makes us who we are. Paul says that's like a tent. Now, have you ever spent any time in a tent? Uh, In our younger years, the family was young. We did a lot of camping, a lot of tenting. Uh, Spent a fair amount in in the great outdoors. And I have spent enough time in tents to know that I don't want to spend any more time in a tent than I have to. Give me a holiday in an express with a breakfast bar any day of the week. Tents, you know, they're great for temporary housing as you're traveling or roughing it. But there is a point where you begin to yearn to be home. And Paul is saying in this passage that when it's time to come home, there will be a home for you. Verse 1 says, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. And the little word there means dismantled. When it's time to dismantle the tent and move from your temporary existence to your eternal existence, don't worry. You're not going to be floating around looking for some place to settle. We're just not going to be floating around and saying, you know, you see this kind of misty form. Hey, Bill, is that you? We're going to exchange the temporary for the eternal. I love this. Look at verse 5. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God made us for the purpose of spending eternity with him. And the very best part of heaven is that God will be there. And the presence of God's Spirit in our lives right now is simply a down payment on the promise that one day we will be in God's presence. It's like we've got a little bit of heaven inside of us to whet our appetites of what it's going to be like with God. 
What makes heaven heaven is not the wallpaper or the carpeting. It is who I will be with and who I will become. So look through the lens of eternity and let it fill your hearts with a sense of anticipation for the time when we will be welcomed home by our Heavenly Father. When we look through the lens of eternity, it helps us to see that one day we will exchange what's temporal for what's eternal. And the second thing that occurs when we look at life through the lens of eternity is it gives us great confidence to face the future. In verse 6, Paul says, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are being confident, he's being repetitious here, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul says, in light of all that, I am confident to face the future because I know I will be present with the Lord. On Sunday morning, December the 7th, 1941, the great Scottish pastor Peter Marshall spoke to a regiment of midshipmen at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis. No one knew what was happening on an island called Pearl Harbor that morning. But he had a strange feeling that he wanted to change the subject of his message. And so he chose James chapter 4, verse 14, for what is your life to be his passage to speak on? In the chapel before him was the December graduating class, young men who in a few days would receive their commissions and go on active duty. In that sermon titled, Go Down Death, Peter Marshall used this illustration. He said, In a home I know, a little boy, the only son, was ill with an incurable disease. Month after month, the mother had tenderly nursed him, read to him, played with him, hoping to keep him from realizing the dreadful finality of the doctor's diagnosis. As the weeks went on and he grew no better, the little boy gradually began to understand that he would never be like the other little boys he saw playing outside his window. Small as he was, he began to understand the meaning, and he too knew that he was close. One day he asked his mother, Mom, what is it like to die? Will it hurt? Quickly tears sprang to her eyes and she ran to the kitchen and tried to pull herself together. And in the kitchen she leaned on the counter. She realized she needed to answer her son and prayed a quick prayer for God to give her wisdom. And the Lord did. She went back out to the young boy and said, Kenneth, Remember when you were a tiny boy and how you used to play so hard all the day, so hard that at night you were too tired to even undress yourself, and you would tumble into your mother's bed and fall asleep. Kenneth, that was not your bed and was not where you belonged. You would stay there a little while, and in the morning, much to your surprise, you would wake up and find yourself in your room and in your bed. And you were there because someone had loved you and taken care of you. Your father had come with big, strong arms and carried you away. Kenneth, death is just like that. 
We wake up some morning to find ourselves in the other room, in our own room, where we belong, because Jesus loved us and cared us there. You see, when we look at life through the lens of eternity, we see that we will one day exchange this temporal for what is eternal. We will look at life through the lens of eternity. It gives us confidence to face the future. And a third thing occurs is we look through the lens of eternity. When I look through the lens of eternity, it defines the purpose for my life. Paul writes in verses 9 and 10, So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. When we look at life through the lens of eternity, it clarifies for us what really matters. What really matters lasts and what really counts and what really counts is living our lives to please god living a life of loving god with all our heart all our mind all our soul all our being and loving our neighbors as ourselves and the scriptures say that a day is coming when every believer is going to stand before the one who gave his life broken and poured out in love for us. And when you and I look at life through the lens of eternity, it should define for us the purpose of our lives. That purpose is simply to love God and to live all out for Him. Friends, we don't know how much time we have. Just this day is what we have. So if there's a conversation that you need to have with someone, don't put off that conversation. We shouldn't wait to make a wrong right. We shouldn't hold back from sharing our faith. We shouldn't stop from saying, I love you. Say it. Do it. Be it. You know, there is a lady named Ann Wells who wrote this about an experience in her own life. She said, My brother-in-law opened the bottom drawer of my sister's bureau. He lifted out a tissue wrapped package. He said, This is not a slip. This is lingerie. And he discarded the tissue and handed me the slip. It was exquisite silk, handmade, trimmed with lace, price tag still attached. He said, Jan brought this the first time when we went to New York at least eight or nine years ago. She never wore it. She was saving it for a special occasion. I guess this is the occasion. He took the slip from me, put it on the bed with the other clothes we were taking to the funeral home. His hands lingered on the soft material for a moment. Then he slammed the drawer shut. He turned to me and said, Don't ever save anything for a special occasion. Every day you're alive is a special occasion. Ann Wells goes on to write, I remember those words through the funeral and the days that followed when I helped him and my niece attend all the sad chores that followed an unexpected death. 
I thought about those words on the plane returning to California from the Midwestern town where my sister's family lived. I thought about all the things she hadn't done, heard, or said, and I'm still thinking about his words. They've changed my life. I'm not saving anything. We use our good china and crystal for every special event, such as losing a pound, getting the sink unstopped, or the first blossoms that come up in spring. The words someday or one of these days are losing their grip on my vocabulary. If it's worth seeing, hearing, or doing, I want to see, hear, and do it now. I'm trying very hard not to put off, hold back, or save anything that would add laughter and luster to our lives. Every morning when I open my eyes, I tell myself, this is special. Friends, never forget that life is special. It is special because God is living in you and working through you. It is special because our existence will never end. We have an eternity to worship God face to face and experience His love and His acceptance. That's what eternity is all about. Eternity is not all about pearly gates and golden streets. It's all about what is going to happen as you and I gaze into the eyes of the one who created us, forgave us, accepted us, and who welcomes us home. That's what we have to look forward to. Between now and then, let us live for the one who loved us. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your great love. You created us as beings to be eternally with you. Created us to be loved by you, to know you. Lord, thank you for your great love. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to come to this earth to show us how to live life and then go to the cross broken and poured out for us so that we can be free from Satan and sin and be able to live life as you intended. Life beginning right now and life for all eternity. Thank you for your spirit that is now in each and every one of us, giving us that little taste of being able to do life with you in every moment and for the life to come. We pray this now for your great name, your, your son's great name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.